0: as high producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double triple and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life and now here's the latest episode of club wealth tv so welcome
1: to club wealth tv my name is michael hillickson as you can see i'm in a car uh so I am in hot Atlanta uh, and uh, doing a, an explode seminar over here. So uh, I just got done uh, on stage, came out here, jumped on for Club All TV. I'm going to have to leave a little bit early because I got to go back for some questions and answers. But my amazing, stupendous, wonderful, incredible co-hosts, Sheree Benjamin—I should say Coach Sheree Benjamin—she's earned that title. Uh, Coach Sheree Benjamin and Coach Brian Curtis uh, will be continuing on with the richardsons and oh my gosh let me tell you something these guys are killing it i'm so excited about today's episode uh and so what we're gonna do is i'm gonna really i'm gonna kind of take a step back i'm gonna let brian and sheree run the show but before they do i would love for brian and, and cindy why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves tell us a little bit about the richardsons and what is what you guys are doing over there
2: we are in Cleveland, Tennessee, so we are just north of Atlanta and south of Knoxville. Um, in a small town, we are about 100,000 people. I have been in real estate in this area since 1999, and Brian joined me in
3: 2011.
2: Yeah, so really we started building the team a little bit before that, before Brian joined us, um, but so we've been doing real estate in this area for almost 20 years.
1: That is Awesome. And it, okay, and so tell me, what are we going to be talking about today? What is it that you're doing that is really different? Because I know you're—you guys are in a small market, right? Yes, we are in a How very ma- small market. How many people are in your
2: market? We are within the city limits. We are about thirty thousand, maybe a little more than that now, maybe closer to thirty-three thousand. Including the county, we're about a hundred thousand people. So we we are in a very small market. So, and we are doing anywhere from 200 to 250 transactions here. So that's insane.
4: Yeah, AKA, that means that they're dominating their small market. <laughs>
1: that's what that is. <laughs> that's crazy. Me. I mean, what's what's that work out to in terms of number of people, uh, or I should say percentage of market share in that market?
2: Um, we are probably about
1: 10%. Wow. That is fantastic. Okay. And we, and for those that don't know, we normally tell people that in terms of market share, 10% is very high, right? Like eight to 12% is as high as most people ever get in a particular market. Once in a while, we'll see somebody get to 15% market share in a market. And then you really got to start expanding out into other markets around you from there. Uh yeah, so that's phenomenal. Ten percent market share. I mean, I want you all that are watching us. So I want you to think about your market. I want you to ask yourself, what would it be like if I had a ten percent market share in my market? Uh, that's insane. So, all right, well, good stuff. Well, so talk to us. How did you get there? How did you do that?
2: Getting there um, was just a lot of hard work. I mean, there there is no magic. Thing. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of hard work. In the beginning, we did a whole lot of listings and a whole lot of things that nobody else wanted to do. Um, and then now it's more of a matter of staying there. Um, and that's where the team comes in. So we spend a lot of our time um, being out in the public and um, trying to get with people. And the team is the one that's actually out doing, uh, selling homes, listing homes. I still list. Um, probably half of the listings I go on and Brian still handles some of the buyers, but for the most part, the buyers agents handle it.
3: Yeah. Okay. I still still do a little bit of listings with just some of our contractors too.
1: Okay. So talk to us about that. So where, first of all, Let's back up. I want to hear more about how you're getting those listings and Brian and Shri, I'm loving. I want to hear you know your questions as well, but I want to hear not only about how you're getting those listings, but I want to hear in the beginning, as you started your team there in this little town, start start back when it was just you guys. Cause I know we have a lot of viewers that are team leaders, but we also have a lot of viewers that are just solo agents. So start by telling us as a solo agent, what were some of the pitfalls you encountered and how did you overcome them?
2: In the beginning, it was me by myself, of course, and then Jody joined me, and she's actually been with me for about 15 years now, um, and Jodi um, was the my assistant, and we did a whole lot of door knocking, a whole lot of just stuff. Um, Jody, wait,
4: wait, wait. Did you say you and your assistant did door
2: knocking? Oh, absolutely. And and I am a high D, so getting in front of people is not natural for me. Jody is a high I, so it was not uncommon for us to go to lunch. And Jody throw me out at a Fizbo. I mean, she would just pull up hand <laughs> me a package and tell me to go. So um, she 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 pushes me. Um, And then that was very common in the beginning. Again, we did a whole lot of things that agents didn't want to do. And I know it's hard now thinking back that we actually did door knocking and and, uh, phone calls and and the things that people don't want to do. But this is the result of what that did in the beginning. So now we don't have to go out and door knock. We still phone call. But the difference is now when we call, they know who we are. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a leg up rather than just randomly calling people. Um, but we did a lot, of, a, a lot of listings that we're probably ashamed of now. <laughs> Again, we did what the big people didn't want to do. It was a whole lot easier breaking in on the listing that, that other people didn't want to do. I mean, I had listings in the beginning that... I had one that had so much water in the basement, I was scared to put a lockbox on it. So we just, you know, we just had to meet you there so to make sure that nobody got hurt. But that's just how we kind of got into it. And one of the really big developers in town called me to see that particular listing because it came with land. And when my broker saw him sit in my office, he about died because he couldn't believe that I managed to get this guy in my office. So it it was just kind of like a blind luck. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of hard work in the beginning.
1: So a couple of things I just heard you say there. One, one of the very first things you did was hire an assistant. And so how long had you been in real estate before you did that? And how much money were you making when you did that?
2: Um, I hired her about two years in. And um, at the time, I was maybe making fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 a year. So to bring on an assistant was extremely scary. Um, yeah, So, but I mean, it it freed me up that I actually made more money once Jody was involved. Um, And and I know that's a hard, hard, and I got lucky because, you know, people say that your first assistant, that that's going to be your executive assistant. And I don't think that's necessarily always true. I think I got extremely lucky and we grew up together. So we kind of grew in the business together, but most people can't afford that caliber of a person from the beginning. I got lucky because she was young and
1: and we kind of
2: developed together.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And that was, and you said it was scary when you did it. So w- yeah. did you have the surplus income that you could just say, Oh, I'm just going to hire an assistant or was it like, Oh my gosh, I really I know I need this help, but I don't know how I'm going to afford it, but I'm going to do it anyway.
2: Yes, that's exactly the way it was. Absolutely not. I mean, it, it was absolutely scary to think that I was now responsible for her income and that if I had to let her go, it was going to affect their family. So it absolutely was scary.
1: Yeah. I think I think all of us and Brian and Shree. I'm curious with your teams. Was it? Did you feel the same way when you hired your first assistant?
4: Oh my gosh, I was so scared. I was so scared because it's it's you are really responsible for someone else's paycheck, and it's it's not like um, a buyer's agent where you, they're still making those phone calls and they they hold a little bit of that you know there too um, that responsibility there too. But no, I have to write a per hour <laughs> paycheck. To you, every two weeks. <laughs> um, so I was I was completely scared out of my mind um, to do that. It, it, it's a big deal. It, it really was a big deal for me. However it drove me even further. So it, it was almost like that big of a boost that I needed um, because yeah, I got someone else that I've, you know, that I'm basically responsible for, like what Cindy said, um, I'm responsible for her household also. So I need to go out and make the best use of this time. I got to go get some more deals. I can't let, you know, some people have an assistant, they'll bring them on and then they give the assistant all the stuff they don't want to do, but then they don't turn around and go get more business with that. You know, they sit back and they think, oh, well, this real estate thing, I've got this in the bag. Now I have someone else doing all that stuff I don't want to do. I can just sit and wait for my phone to call. I mean, my phone to ring or, you know, and that's it. And I'm a referral only agent. And then my assistant can handle it. And my phone just rings. It doesn't work like that. You should actually start doing more with that time uh, to generate more business. Because guess what? You got another mouth to feed. It's like birthing a kid. Yeah.
1: Here you go. <laughs> I've never heard it put quite that way, Sheree. That's awesome. Brian, how about you? What was it like for you? Was it was it straightforward? Was it easy, or Was it a little bit scary?
0: There's a lot of different factors. So my first assistant was actually Lisa. So she was unpaid. Um, that was the most expensive <laughs> thing I ever did. So, um, you know, and, and it's not, it's just understanding that sometimes working with your spouse, um, in an assistant role can be challenging. And I know that you do it, Michael, but uh, I found it better for my marriage to hire somebody else. But uh, yeah, it was was scary because, you know, Lisa and I are both pretty high D, so there can be a little bit of this going on. But, um, you know, at first it was, and my very first assistant lasted three weeks with me and I would never use that person's name, but ultimately I told them, this is something that we have to do no matter what, this has to be done back in the REO days and REO, there was, there's zero tolerance in REO for all the people out there who want to get into REO, make sure that you understand that Christmas, a task is due. That means that task is due on Christmas and the system isn't smart enough to figure out it's Christmas. But anyway, so we missed a task and I said, but I told you, well, I got busy or something. And so I was actually, Um, at a conference and I fired her right there and you know it just had to happen but uh, it took me another six months to hire my next assistant but to Cherie's point I think the most important thing when you're going to hire an assistant is so let's say that you're signing up for a $30,000 a year salary I'm just making that number up is you have to go out and cover that and the, the beauty of it is if you're a person who's doing the activities that you're supposed to be doing, you're following a system, you're making phone calls, you have a, a systematic lead generation in place, you've just freed up so much of your time. You know, realistically a $30,000, employee is making $14 an hour, I think is about what that comes out to. There are so many things in real estate that you can do that make significantly more than $14 an hour. And here's the best part about it. For the majority of agents who I know that are good, are low season, low seas. So and, you know, for all you disprofile people out there, but ultimately, they can do all the stuff that you're cruddy at, and really, that's that's what it comes down to. So they're ten times more efficient at what you're bad at. So you know, that's the beauty of it. Um, I heard Chris Smith say one time: hire people to replace the parts of your business that you're bad at or don't like mm-hmm. to do. And most of them that you don't like to do, you don't like to do because you're bad at them. So, you know, that was, it was a scary hire because I do, I feel that responsibility of at the end of the day, if my team doesn't eat, that's my responsibility. So they eat first. And at the end of the day, I get what's left over. So um, it's a responsibility. And, you know, if you take it that way, that it's good. And, And let me, since we're talking about assistance, let me bring this up. If you tell someone when to do something, where to be, how to do it, they're an employee. And yes. I think a lot of people out there go, well, my, my assistant has a license. Did you tell him to come to work today? Yeah. Then you better plan as a W-2 unless you'd like to deal with the IRS. And uh, they're not a fun group of people to deal with. So. Anyways.
4: No, and that's a big mistake that a lot of people do make. Uh, they think that they can just get away with it uh, with having them as 1099. And I think that that's something that um, you need to be very careful of meetings, all of that. Uh, you need to be very careful of that. And it, Listen, it's it's not that hard. It's, it's a big, scary world, and I understand, and no one wants to do the W-2 thing. Just do it. Just do it so your business can prosper. Get over it and just do it.
1: So I'm curious, uh, Brian and Cindy, did you guys, are you using a, pay, a payroll company like an ADP or a Paychex or anything like that?
3: Uh, we use um, QuickBooks and uh, Intuit. And we have uh, Jody handles our payroll force.
1: okay so, so you, okay. so you're not using you're not using a third party company to ensure that you're no. you know, that, that any that things are getting done a certain way or anything like that? No huh okay I, All right, so, go ahead.
4: Now I was gonna say I can give you a pointer. Um, so we are my biggest teams in atlanta and you guys aren't too far from it but uh sun trust is who i used and it was it's fairly cheap they handle everything all of the stuff that's supposed to go to the irs gets done um it's wham bam they give me a reminder i send it in done 50 bucks <laughs> so
1: <laughs> yeah okay so I want to remind everybody that's just joining us. I know we've got a lot of people that are just joining in right now and welcome, by the way. Thank you guys all for being here that uh, Brian and Cindy are running a 10% market share in their little part of the world. And that's saying something, you guys, that is a pretty big deal. And so, I, you know, I want to now get in. We've talked about, you know, in the beginning, it was hard for you guys. You know, you were nervous about hiring this assistant, but you did it. Uh and so then you transitioned from now we've got the one assistant to how did you start becoming the local expert and really growing a team? Tell, tell us about that.
2: Um, a, a lot of business, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of work. That's what, when we look back at what Jody and I did years ago, it was hard to believe that two people could do that amount of business, but it, it's completely doable. Um, but, it is a lot of referral business. Since we are in a small town, um, we, we can prospect, um, on, on a much smaller scale. So we've not, we've yet to have a big client event and, um, this will be our first year actually doing that, but we prospect by joining associations and being involved with local charities. Um, we do a lot and we've talked about this, um, We do a lot with uh, some of the communities when they're selling, um, the charities are selling tables to events, their big annual fundraisers and things. We like to sponsor those. Uh, If we don't sponsor them, we'll we'll buy a table and we will take uh, whoever we feel we're getting business from or who we can get business from, we'll take and ask them to come sit at our table with us. Um, And that's a way that we can just um, prospect with people.
1: Okay, so how many of those are you doing here? Because I know we've we've talked to a lot of people that are doing charity events, uh, and it's a big deal, right? You know, getting involved in those charities, supporting the charities, and then get more specific with us. Like, do you have a truck that you're parking out front or anything like that? You know, talk to us about that.
3: Well, what what we do is we do about two to three a year um, okay. various types of clubs, like uh, Junior Auxiliary, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, those types of things. And we're able to get our sponsorship and get our logos out there really big and those are the type of things that we do to get our advertisement and everybody knows that we're a major sponsor of the events
4: and like the
2: ja event that was really neat They everybody as the couples come in it was a black tie event and as everybody came in they stood in this one place and they took pictures um, so that everybody could post on Facebook their pictures. And our logo was actually the on the backdrop behind them. So everybody's posting on Facebook, and then there's our logo right behind them. Yeah. So that one, we didn't expect that with the picture thing, but it turned out really, really great. Um, what we did expect was to be on all of the advertising and the brochures and everything, but that the pictures, which was just kind of a bonus, that, that was really neat.
3: Yeah, that was nice. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, I was just going to say, and of course, throughout the events, you know, they mention you know, who's the main sponsors and stuff like that. So everybody in the audience knows who we are.
4: So when you guys got, so you were doing all the dirt that no one else wants to do. Okay. Because we've got people who are on, who are in smaller markets. Not everyone's in Atlanta or, you know, L.A. Some people are in Benville, Arkansas. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah. Please laughs>
2: Sorry, <be Brian. laughs>
4: um, but so when you, I think there is a, a little bit of a difference, you know, we like to say that will it work and will it work in my market? Yes, and yes, and yes. When you're in a smaller market, you have to be out there more. Uh, you have to make your, your uh, face, you have to get in front of more people, the charity events, um, the client events. is great that you guys are doing that. Step up to doing like community events, all of those things. So when you first got started, do you how did you pick which charity to be a part of? There's so many. And, you know, sometimes we find things where it's like, Ooh, if I go with this charity, I might make these people upset. Or if I go with this charity, I may make these people upset. How did you determine which ones? Cause you're in such a small town where it's like the cheers, everybody knows your name, you know? So how did you decide that? It actually was
2: kind of just again, blind luck. Um, It it was my son, it was his school. So I'm already there. I'm already doing things. And it was the friends that um, his parents, the friends of his parents, (laughs) um, where they they just began getting me involved in different things. So it all started with uh, our son's school. So and then I got so heavily involved in other schools that I actually at one point was spending more time with other children at other schools than I actually was with my son. Yeah. So at one point I had to really scale back. And poor Brian was about the only dad at school that was volunteering to come in and run coffee <laughs> and <pop-pop. laughs> I'm over at school down the road, uh, you know, reading to the kids. So um, a lot of it started with um, just our son was at that age where it was easy to get involved just by being around the other parents of children that same age. So So school and your children are an excellent way to prospect. I mean, even Jody now prospects at the ballparks because you are there several times a week you are sitting with all of these parents around you that is an excellent time to start reaching out to people and letting them know what you do and just not really in your face selling but more talking about the market and about what's going on so that when they do have questions you're automatically the
4: expert that they think of so tell me this so i'm a shire agent I'm not, but I'm just gonna pretend it. So <laughs> I'm a Shire agent. I meet Cindy. Our children are at the ballpark together. How do you open that up? You know, how do agents who aren't so outgoing, um, how do what's like the opening line? New new place, new people, how do I get that conversation started to even start talking about the market? Yeah.
2: Yeah and and I I am actually one that doesn't talk a lot when I'm actually with people. Again, Brian, yeah, he's he's our high eye. Brian will talk to absolutely anybody. I have to drag him out of stores and out of places. <laughs> but um and and honestly, for me it was some of the groups, the women that i I hung around they were high eyes and they talked a lot and they would open up the conversation so even if I didn't open it up all of a sudden they would start asking me about the market and things and before you know it there was a lot of people talking so if you have a friend that that talks a lot that absolutely helps and if not you find that mom that talks a lot because I guarantee you she's very close to you and she is ready to talk (laughs) and she inevitably they will ask how the market is so, and then that's just an opener and then everybody around you will begin to chime in.
4: And the so I got another question for you. So let's fast forward just a, a smidget from, we're now into our first charity. It's a, it's you, it's Brian, it's Jody. And what made you bring on someone else? Because you originally said, you know, when you look back as to what just the two of you were able to do, when was it that you decided, okay, we need to start growing a team like what forced your hand when
2: we could no longer handle it it's it's our team actually we we developed it very organically it's every time we've needed when we hit our ceiling and you will know when you hit your ceiling when you absolutely cannot do any more than it is time to hire another team member and um, multiple times we have hit ceilings i feel like we have hit a ceiling very recently and um, that's when it's time to shake it up and do something different. And a lot of times that's adding somebody that is stronger than you are. Um, and, and every time we've added somebody, it has made a big difference.
4: That's a key thing. You said stronger than you are. So you're looking for people who, even in your agents, you're looking for people who offer something different from what you from what you offer. Yeah, that, I think that's wicked smart. I think that's so super smart. So... You're at 10. That first person came on. You hit a ceiling. You brought someone else on. Are they is it a team of 10 and everyone's a buyer's agents? Are those are there those that are helping with listings too?
2: No, they're um Jody and I both do listings. Brian and um, three buyers agents, and then everybody else is an admin. So we have four admin, four on the buyer side, and two
1: listings.
4: Michael, that sounds a little bit like how your team was back when you were doing it. You were heavy on the admin side and smaller on the agent side. Isn't that correct?
1: I was. At our peak, we had a total of 16. Well, at one point we actually had 20, but we usually were right around 16 agents. But we'd have over, you know, we'd have like 30, 32 administrative team members. Now, a lot of that was a function because I did a lot of REO. But even on the retail side, only half of our business was REO and half was retail. So, you know, we still had a good chunk of of team members, uh, administrative team members on the retail side, because here's the reality. You got to deliver great customer service, not just to the client. but also to the agents in your market. And if you're not delivering that level of customer service, then guess what? You're going backwards. People are, instead of having a good experience and saying, wow, I want to use them again, or I want to refer them again. Now they're saying, wow, these guys freaking sucked. And and it works exactly the opposite for you.
4: Yeah. See, I like to, I tell my agents, every deal is, and this is the way that I think of it is that when we say that we're going to be world-class That's not just with our clients. That's with the agents on the other side too. Because the way that I see it, that agent on the other side is a potential team member for me. So I want for you to have a great experience. I also want for, it's a small, you're in a small market. I'm in a larger market, but majority of the agents that we come across, they do a lot of deals. We got a couple of part-timers that are thrown in there that we see every now and then. However, Cindy, if we've done business before and it wasn't a, I can't wait for these 30 days to be over with, so I never have to deal with Sheree Benjamin again, (laughs) it was a great positive experience. Even if there was a little bit of back and forth, you know, so what, that's real estate. Um, Then the next time, if I'm in a multiple offer scenario, you know, let's 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 call the spade a spade people. Sometimes we're looking at it and these two deals look exactly the same. And we've had that. These two deals look exactly the same. And Agent A was a nightmare to deal with. And Agent B was lovely the last time I've dealt with them. Which way do you think we're gonna go?
1: Right. right, By the way, I hate to do this to you guys. I've got to run inside to this live event right now. I've got to wrap up some questions and answers here. But before I do, uh, I know you guys are going to continue on. We're going to, uh, Brian and Sheree are going to ask more questions and get more uh, stuff out of Cindy and Brian on how you guys can grow in a small market. Uh, but before that happens, I want to remind all of you to check out our, our sponsor, the people that make this uh, of this Cluball TV possible, which is wise hire. And we use the heck out of wise hire. We love these guys. It's a great recruiting tool. Uh, their website is www.wisehire.com forward slash Um, and also if you're not already in our Facebook group, go join the club wealth Facebook group. You guys need to be in there. Lots of great information. It's awesome. Uh, and it's free. So check out facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash club wealth and, uh, join that group. So that being said. Appreciate you guys being on Brian and Sheree keep asking those questions. And for those of you that have questions of Brian, Sheree or Brian and Cindy, please type them in your comments box right now, because guess what? They will get to your questions live right here. So thank you guys. I will see you on in a little bit. Brian and Sheree, take it away. Bye.
0: Have fun. Bye. Have fun, Michael. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit on you, and um, I'd like you guys to talk a little bit about the magazine that you work with because I know that that's something that you've and and I I learned this just because we were in a mastermind together. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. I'm sure there you, you got a copy of it back for yeah. you to show. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm just going to turn that over because I think it's a neat and really neat thing. I'd like you to talk a little bit about the price, the return. You know, what kind of how is that helping your business? Um, I'll just let you go.
2: We were not doing a good job on staying in front of past customers. Um, So we needed something to go out other than emails and birthday cards. We needed something to go out to stay in front of them. And then we come across the magazine and this one is um, homes by design and it is an excellent quality. We get to completely design the front cover and then we also design the back cover and, We have spaces on the inside, and it's nice quality, too, so it doesn't feel like a newsletter. It feels like a true magazine. Absolutely. Um, And we actually can tell when they hit the homes because somebody will text me or call me and say, hey, that's a great article. They really think that we are writing this magazine, and we're not. Um, (laughs) It's a... They'll, they'll call and they'll say, I loved that recipe or that's a great new style that's coming out. I mean, it, it, we always get some kind of comment and it's an excellent way for us to stay in front of past clients because I, I get sick. I mean, if I could buy, drive by past clients and I see someone else's sign in the yard, that is a sickening feeling. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm one that beats myself up over it. It was my fault because I didn't stay in contact with them. Um, so that was a way that we, we can get back in front of them again. Um, and Brian, I have to tell you what we're paying for it. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, Brian, what are you paying for it?
3: <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's about $3 an issue.
2: That includes, that includes postage.
3: Postage shipping. And, um, and like I say, we, we order several hundred. And it's a, it's a bi-monthly publication. So it's six times a year. And like I say, Sandy sort of hit on all the highlights. We get control of the front cover back cover inside front and back and it's just filled with awesome articles and like she said it it just puts us out there and we actually have people that actually think that it's our magazine
2: Absolutely. out to the subdivision which we do a lot of business in the subdivision that we personally live in but we also send it out to everybody in our subdivision so that we stay in front of them because nobody wants to drive home and see your neighbor with another sign in their yard
0: Absolutely. And and there is nothing more frustrating. And I've done that. I've actually called a client and said, Hey, how are you doing? Like, Hey, Brian, what's going on? Like we were still, we're still buddy, buddy. And I'm like, you list, Oh, you know, and they tell you a story and it wasn't even a bad story. So, you know, there are clients, we all have them, that uh, we kind of hope do list their house with somebody else. But for the most part, you know, those ones don't bother you. You kind of walk, drive by that house and kind of laugh and go, that agent's, they're going to regret it. You're half five
2: everybody in the office.
0: <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, I would say, you know, 90, 98% of the time, it's a good relationship. And, you know, statistically speaking, I, I don't have looked at the, the statistics lately, but I think it's so important. To stay in front of your past clients. Because it's like 83% of all people would use the same realtor, but 8% do. Those aren't exact numbers, but you know, it's like 10 to 1. So that really says if you are in this long term, and you know, I think one of the things that people make mistakes of when they're in the business for one, two, three years is they think they can't think about that client who they sold the house to a year ago. Ever being a client again? It's so far away. It's so far away, but the reality it isn't. You know, and you know, just like I tell people with lead generation, someone a lead comes in, they're like, "Oh gosh, that leads six months out." I'm like, "Great, great. We're still going to be in business six months from now, right?" So, you know, these things are are how you make your life easier, and and that's really what you're doing. You're making your life easier six months from now, right? A year from now, eighteen months from now. So, um. You know, realistically, have you been able to calculate any kind of return on that? Do you, any kind of people saying, oh, wow, you know, I, I, you reminded me of because, because I got your magazine. Are you actually getting business from it directly, do you think?
2: No, no, but very seldom do we. Um, it, it's not happening as much where we see our sign someone else's sign in one of our old yards. So yeah. that, that makes us feel better. And we just recently started putting um, people when we're not the buyer's agent on one of our listings, um, we've started putting those people in our list too. So I'll be curious to see how that turns out. But we we are starting to add other people because when the market shifts, we know that a lot of, you know, that we'll see a lot of the newer agents fall out of it. So we are trying to make sure that we keep in contact with their customers.
0: So in case anyone didn't hear that, uh, we call that an orphan buyer program. The reality is, again, there's a reason that only 8% of the people are using the same agent that they did the last time they did the transaction is because A, that agent got out of the business because they did five deals and decided this was hard. Or B, more likely, honestly, is they just did a crappy job of staying in touch. So when it comes down to it, they literally don't remember the name of the agent who sold them the house three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. So yeah, by sending them that information, I think that that's fabulous. And that orphan buyer program, you know, if you put that in place, you look at a year from now, I bet you you'll have a deal from it. And then two and three years from now, you have five, six, 10 deals that come from it. It's basically, they don't know it, but by working with us, they're volunteering to be marketed to, so I love that. Um, and and I want just one final question on that. You know, if you look at the number of hours, you're, you're sending that out six times a year, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. How many hours are you putting in and putting that thing together?
2: Less than an hour. We just generate a new list and send it to them. I mean, it, it, it's nothing.
0: And so that's that was the whole thing, because most people see something like that and go, oh, my God, there's no way possible that I could do something like this. The reality is every single one of us can do it. And, you know, if you have one hundred past clients, we're only talking about three hundred dollars every other month, one hundred fifty dollars a month, you know. Obviously you can scale that up and it gets more expensive, but again, the return is going to be the same. So I really applaud you on that because that's something, like you said, there's nothing worse than driving next door, my next door neighbor, and I'd only lived there for a few months. I don't feel that bad, listed their house with somebody else. So um, <laughs> just moved into the neighborhood, but you know, those are things that happen. You're like, oh my gosh, I really screwed up. I should list my next door neighbor's house. That's a, that's a good rule. So, but cool. Sure. Any questions?
4: Well, I do want to talk about how many um, because we're we're in such a, a, a dominating for listings. Um, how many listings do you guys currently have right now? Um, Eighty one. Eighty one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how many did you say that there were of you doing listings? Listings.
2: Um, there's only two of us that actually go out and do listings. Okay. I mean, <laughs> we have our staff.
4: So there's two people. (laughs) I want people to hear this. There's two people going out and getting listings and you have 81. I thought it was 80. I'm sorry I missed the one. (laughs) So There's there's 81 listings. Okay. Where are these listings coming from? Where are they coming from? Um, a, A lot of our listings are
2: past clients. And a a lot of them are just people that come to our open houses that need to sell a house before they can buy. So that's probably our main two sources: is people that need to sell before they can buy, and past clients. We work for about seven builders now, um, but the builders have not been that strong this year. So with Taking With the markets up, it's harder for the builders to turn out the inventory because the subcontractors are not getting out there as quick. So we're very careful not to get our inventory too builder heavy. Um, And also, as the market starts to slow down, the builders will be the first ones that start to cut back. And if your inventory is too builder heavy, then again, that that will affect you. Um, we, We also try to be very careful in keeping a price range of listings Um, Because we don't want to get known as the agents that do nothing but big listings. But we also don't want to get known as the agents that do nothing but, you know, the smaller homes. So we pay a lot of attention and we may say, hey, we, we need some more listings in this price range and we'll start going back through our past clients, people in that price range or would be in that price range now, reaching out, seeing who is ready to sell. So, we are lucky enough to be in an area that one of our zip codes, um, they, they sell on average of every two years, and then one of our other zip codes on average of every three years. So, just knowing that, we can begin reaching back out to those people.
4: And that's and that's, science. Mm-hmm. and
3: that's something that we've, that's something that we have stayed very conscious of over time is watching the, you know, what the inventory levels are, and and the price ranges i mean i think that's one of the things that we've done really well ever since i joined cindy 8 years ago i mean i think that's just one of the things that's been one of the highlights of what we do well
2: but even though we strive to have a very big difference i mean right now i think we've got things starting as low as 50,000 up to 1.5 million which is huge for our area by the way
3: <laughs> yeah
2: um, with that, we still give the same, um, we do this, a lot of the same marketing. So even the smaller ones are still getting the professional photography. They're still getting the 3D walkthroughs. We're still doing things on those lower and medium priced homes that we do on the upper and at, at priced homes. And because of that, a lot of those people that are selling that price range home, that's easy for us to sell value. So if I'm going up against another agent, I'm saying, hey, but I'm going to give you these, these the virtual tour and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Whereas a lot of agents will say, okay, I'm only going to do the virtual tour on homes over 300,000. Well, not us. I'll, I'll do it on your mobile home. I don't care because at this point we have bought the, the, the equipment. So it's just a matter of someone's time here at the office to go do it. And if you don't own the equipment, I highly recommend doing it because I think we paid what $4,500 for the actual camera and, um, the, the, the person that takes care of our marketing goes out and, and takes care of the virtual tour and he meets the photographer there. So
3: we get it all done in one shot and um, and, and he's really become very uh, like expert with using that Matterport camera and it, and it just makes all the difference
0: with the marketing. I want to applaud you for something and this is something a lot of people miss is you're not marketing a house, you're marketing yourself. And I think that sometimes people miss that, like, oh, I got a $50,000 listing, I'll show up with my iPhone and take pictures, click, 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 and that's good enough. And the truth of the matter is in my market, I could probably take a picture of the front of the house with my iPhone on a $50,000 listing and get it sold in a day, because it's so quick and you know there's so much demand for that. There'll be investors, there'll be first time home, but there'll be so many people who want that house. But it's a huge, huge, huge mistake, because now if I do that, I can't go and say, every single time I do professional photos, every single time I do this, every single time I do this, because that's what it's all about. You know, yes, maybe you saved, I don't know, let's say you saved $100, you know, not having to pay that person to go out and take that 3D virtual tour. But again, every time when you can say that I'm professional, no matter what, it's above and beyond because yeah, maybe you only made $1,500 selling that house. But what you did is tell everybody that we are professional 100% of the time. And I apologize for that because a lot of agents go, well, this, this, this thing isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. And the other thing that I think is an amazing thing, and maybe it's amazing because I did it too. And that's why I like. It. It. But I'll take, you know, I'll take any listing. You know, I've got, a, I was going through Facebook the other day and I saw this listing that I posted. There was a big metal sign in the front yard and basically the city had condemned it and it, it was my listing and it was pretty exciting. But, uh, you know, those are the types of list $19,000 I sold that house for. But, you know, it's okay because I got other stuff from that. We got a buyer, we double sided that $19,000 house, by the way. So you know, the things that, we, that we can do and no one's, but you know, it ended up being REO and, you know, we got business from it, but understand that doing the right thing all the time pays off. And that's what I hear that you're doing the right thing over and over and over again. How do you, how do we know what pictures we're going to take on this house? I don't know because we take the same pictures at every single house, every single time. There's no question your system's in place, and, and I really applaud you for doing that. So. Thank
2: you. Thank you. And a lot of the marketing too is just doing the basics. In the market lately, it's been um, it's been so easy that you could get away with not doing things, but just things as simple as I mean, it drives me crazy if I drive by and you see a sign that's crooked. Too, <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah. Um, or or directionals were so easy especially with it being summer in the city you know when they're out mowing they they will mow right over directionals and things so all of us keep additional directionals in our vehicles so that we can jump out and put them out Um, it's just simple things like that that you know even though that home may be under contract you're still pulling buyers off of that so we do not put sold signs on houses Um, I I know it helps with the neighborhood and things but right now it's about getting the buyers so we, we really try to do the simple things that should be done from the beginning but you've introduced us some to some other things where we're taking some of the old things i mean i put take one boxes out this week and when, when you first said that i just, that was crazy but we, take, we take one boxes and we we have a phone number designated just to the flyers so that we can see what that's bringing in Um, and and that's been pretty amazing so you're taking an old school thing like take one boxes and putting a little modern twist on it by adding the the designated phone number so that you can track
4: your efforts
2: and um, I I had never used different phone numbers for things in tracking and that has been really really eye opening for me so that you can see exactly where your, um, your phone calls are coming from.
0: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people miss that because they get excited when their phone rings. And I'll be honest, I get excited when my phone rings. That's great. Incoming phone calls are the best thing on the buy side. In, well, the best side in real estate There's nothing better than getting up in the morning and cranking through some phone calls. And then better than that is, hey, look, incoming phone calls. People want to talk to me. I don't have to lead generate. They're actually calling me. You're attracting tracking business. But here's the thing that people miss. And I love that you pointed this out is how do I do more. In other words, so if I'm running a Craigslist ad and my Craigslist ad is very successful, if every single phone call that comes to the Craigslist also comes the sign, same sign phone number. It comes from, you know, you got that same phone number ringing for four different places. How do you know what's working, what's not working? How do you know where to put more time, energy and effort into? You know, um, I was talking to another coaching client the other day and they were talking about how a lot of people look at things like Zillow and they just assume that they're making money at it, but they don't sit down and calculate and say, oh, look, my Zillow spend is $5,000 a month. I'm making lots of money off that. When they co- When they backtrack it they realize that they haven't closed this little deal in three months and so they just spent fifteen thousand dollars and guess what it's time to catch up so i love that you're working on things that are actually trackable and then you can duplicate it because one of the things we can do is just spend more attention on the things that are that are successful for us and i think it's great and here's the other thing that i'll say technology is wonderful and what i mean by that is i use facebook and i use all that all that marketing stuff but here's the reality people are going backwards. And what I mean by that is, email doesn't work nearly as well as it did five years ago because everyone gets 8,000 emails a day. Um, You know, mail, something showing up in my mailbox, a letter, wow, who knew that that was exciting? A magazine showing up in my mailbox. Those are the types of things that even though technology is great, it, it allows us to be more personal. And I think a flyer is, look, I've got this flyer in my hand and I think that that's great. I'm glad that you're implementing. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how those things are working for you and how they're uh, doing that. So you mentioned this and I'll, I'll kind of give in the last 10 minutes and everyone's talking about this. So we might as well talk about it too. As the market shifts and by the way, when I say shift, I'm not talking about shifting back to 2008. I don't think that's going to happen anytime in the next 12 to 18 months. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, uh, but you know, what are you, what kind of things are you guys seeing for starters as the market slows down a little bit, and what kind of things are you doing to prepare for it?
2: We are, uh, we know it's coming. I mean, but it's not a bad thing. I think for agents that are actually out here working, it's a very healthy thing. So, I mean, it's not at all scary for us. It's something we actually have probably been looking forward to um, so that it will take out people that are just half into real estate um, but we are implementing the uh, offers instantly, which is a program we, we did that's a knockoff of the one that Nick Shivers did from, you know, which is the, the instant offers. Um, and we're probably a little early on it because of the market is still healthy, but we're still marketing it everywhere now. Um, and that's one thing we can't drive down the street right now without seeing our face plastered somewhere with that offers instantly. And uh, we haven't bought a house yet, but we have had lots of phone calls and lots of um, listing appointments from it. Yeah, Um, so it's something. Where are you
0: advertising that? So you said you're you can't see your face. So tell me a little bit more about where you're advertising that, and obviously you're getting some success off of it.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we have billboards all over town. And I did like Nick. I did the little cartoon head instead of my actual picture because uh, for some reason in our town, I need to hire the person that's selling billboards because I'm amazed at how many people run billboards in this town. Um, but we did the cartoon because it's a little more eye-catching than seeing someone else's head again, which is just the traditional photo. Um, so you can't help but look when you drive by and there's a, you know, 10 foot cartoon head staring at you. <laughs> uh, but then also to just sidetrack uh, a quick little thing, we use that same meme. We've turned it into different things. So like when it's your Facebook on, um, or it's your birthday on Facebook, we'll, we'll throw it on your page. Happy birthday. And there's that meme just so that people are sub- subconsciously tying it right back into us and into the program so I think this I'm sending out probably seven to ten birthdays a day putting that meme on people's page um but back to the marketing we also run it in the newspaper we run it in the um the legal section and the um <laughs> the obituaries um only because those are going to be estates and believe it or not that's probably where the majority of the calls have come from are from the estates Um, The people that we really are targeting, we knew that going in um, and something we haven't done, but we need to do is get things over to the attorneys because we deal with a lot of different attorneys in town with the states. So we do need to take information to them so that they can make their customers aware that the program is available.
4: So can you can you talk a little bit about the program? So I know we mentioned the name of it, but tell us tell us a little bit about it.
2: Um, When we come out to your house, we will tell you if you put it at this at a certain price, which is market value, exactly how many days. And typically we give you a less than 30 day price and then we'll give you a less than 90 day price. Or now we also give you the third price, which is the we will offer this to you um, cash close at your convenience. And that is, of, of course below market value, but you have no showings,
4: no repairs, cash deal, we close when you want to. Great. And then you have, are you all the investors? Do you have investors that are backing that? Um, How did you bring that about? I actually put
2: together a pool of investors.
4: Great. Great. So as your your buyer pool, because we all get those uh, phone calls, if you're doing any marketing online, you get a ton of investors, some of them are, I just woke up and I saw an infomercial at two o'clock in the morning and I decided I wanted to be an investor. Um, and others are pretty serious. So mm-hmm. you take those, you put them together in a pool, you offer this to Mr. or Mrs. Seller. Um, and this third option that you give, if that is something that you, that they want to do, then you turn it over to your investors.
2: Yes. Okay. And Got and it. I feel- Even though they're in a pool, it's not all of their money pulled together. So we have one investor that has um, given us a very large amount of money, and he gets first dibs. So if he doesn't want it, then I will move to investor two, then I will move to investor three. But So it's not them buying it together as a pool. It's one or the other. And then they actually pay me a commission going in, and even if they decide to keep it, they pay me a commission for coming back out. So I'm going to get my commission. So going into the transaction and coming out of the transaction, even if they decide to keep it as a rental property or something.
0: Sure. And one of the things that I'd like to point out to people, you know, a lot of people, if they're new in the business, they say, well, I don't have an investor. I promise you just about every single town has an investment club and You know, you can go as a real estate agent and join that club and meet people and and socialize. And and here's the reality. I know probably half the people in that investment club in, in my town. And, you know, it's just a matter of I can call any of those people up and say, hey, I've got a house and you can buy it for 75 cents on the dollar. Are you interested? And, you know, depending on who they are, they are. So you've got some people who are looking to do the big flips, you know, flips are much harder to get. But we've also got people who are just looking for a good deal on having rental property and they'll close very quickly as well. And, you know, all those things make it very easy. So if you're not a person who feels like you can go out and write it, you know, a $50,000, $100,000 check, to buy a house, I promise you with you know a couple hours of work a week, you can put together an investor pool. It's not just that Cindy and Brian have been doing this forever. And after a while, you know, you're going to do that and get that anyway. But ultimately, if you're scared about this, just do a little bit of research on the local investment club and go spend a couple hours there and say, look, if I got a deal, does anybody want it? And everyone in the room will raise their hand up. So
2: after after the marketing started, I had a lot of investors that I had not even talked to and even a lot of real estate agents call me wanting in on it. So, I mean, if I ended up with a house that nobody, none of my investors wanted, I do know that there's several agents that I could call, which brings me to something else. Um, I actually offer a discount commission to other real estate agents. So I have listed several other agents homes um, and I market them just like I do all the others, but I give them a discount rate. Um, because to me, nothing says endorses us more than with an agent from another company lists with me.
0: So, so tell us a little bit more about that. So
4: Brian, <laughs> <laughs> I think we both set up on that one. So just
0: out of curiosity, why didn't I list my house myself?
4: Uh, one, we do more marketing. So
2: again, I'm going to give you all the same services that I do my clients, um, also, depending on your E&O insurance, it may be to your benefit to use someone else, but just check into your policy. Some of them will, some of them will not c- cover your personal investments.
0: That's an um, interesting thing,
2: yeah. And, I mean, you're, you're still just like a for sale by owner. So, if you're showing your own house, people are going to not say things to you that they're going to say to me. So I'm going to give you honest, true feedback from how they're feeling, whereas they may soften it with you and say, oh, well, they didn't like the area. Well, that's not true. They knew the area before they ever walked into that house. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, that and again, for us, it's just, it, again, the endorsement of listing with uh, getting to list other agents houses. So and again, in our area, um, our average sale is about one hundred and sixty thousand right now. And I listed one for an agent the other day from another company, my previous company, um, which was a million dollar listing
0: that's impressive. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think what you're saying basically is we do better than everybody else and we do so well that other agents list list with us. And that's, that's a pretty good endorsement. And if you're not using that during a listing presentation, then we need to talk about you using that during a listing presentation (laughs) because I don't think that there's a bigger endorsement in the world than another agent said, Cindy is so good that I won't even sell my own house. So (laughs) that's, That is awesome. And congratulations for doing that. And again, I think you're smart to do it at a discount. I mean, the truth of the matter is I'd probably do it at 4% and give 3% to somebody else simply because just being able to say this agent who's who I'm competing against now, I listed their house. Surely you don't want, you know, so that's pretty awesome.
4: Hey, so Jen Hill has a question. Are you giving, um, are you giving the seller a price upfront before the investors are involved or are you just giving them a range?
2: No, I give them the cash price. I do give it to them up front. So the investors that we work with, we've worked together long enough that they trust my judgment. I know exactly what percent of value they want. So I it, I know that if it's a home that's going to sell for $100,000, exactly where they have to come into it um, and, and roughly what their repairs are going to cost. So I do give them a price up front. I will call the investor on my way to the appointment, say, Hey, I'm going out to one, two, three main street to take a look at it. And he may run by and, you know, do a drive by or something. Give me his thoughts on it. But no, for the most part, he's, he's good with whatever we do.
0: Okay. Well, that's pretty awesome. Well, listen, we've got literally one minute left and I want to thank Brian and Cindy for being with us this morning. Um, And I want to share just, I'll share my thoughts and I'll let, you know, Brian and Cindy and Sharif share theirs. A couple of things, you know, 30,000 people in your town. Now I know that you, that you go out a little bit further as well, but you know, all those people who say, I can't sell a lot of real estate because, you know, I'm in a small town and that, you know, 1.1 million in GCI last year in a town that their base is 30,000 people. So, you know there's opportunities in every market and the thing that i heard if i if i have a takeaway today from from this it's that no matter what you're 100 percent professional 100 percent of the time and making sure that everybody knows that you have an amazing product and it's so darn good that other real estate <laughs> agents wanted to use you and and i congratulate you for that so uh brian and Cindy, what's your final thoughts go
2: ahead Well, I I feel like it's taken me a long time to get where I am today, and I wish I would have found Club Wealth 10 years ago because I think I could have done it a whole lot quicker had I had had the mentors to to actually help me
4: along the way. So I'm really excited to see where this goes over the next, you know, few years.
0: Well, we appreciate the endorsement. Sheree?
4: Yes, and, and a couple of things I want to make sure that people did hear is that they did all the things that everyone wasn't willing to do. And they're still doing all the things that everyone wasn't willing to do. So those are some things that I think that when some agents think that they reach a certain level and they don't have to do those, do those things even uh, anymore. And that's not the case with Brian and Cindy. Each time they're elevating themselves and they're stepping their game up every single time. And they're continuing to do the things that all the other agents are not willing to do. And I applaud you guys for that. It's been fantastic.
0: Thank you. Thank you awesome well with that in mind we have to uh, sign off thank you so much again for for being our guest we appreciate you and look forward to seeing all the great things you guys will do in the next year I'm a little little uh, bow to Michael um, just remember there is a world class beast inside of you just waiting <laughs> to
4: get out no Brian you have to do this part come on Brian I, I, I
0: get the you best I now. could Thanks, everybody, for watching. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll see everybody again next week.